Welcome in, however you're making us part of your day, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or through the concurrent mobile app or website, I am sure glad you're joining us. The more things change, the more they stay the same is not a saying that applies here because things are changing fast and significantly and nothing is the same that it was last week. Except for maybe Chairman Ron Kitchen's outbursts. More on that in a second. What a great show for you today. We've got high drama in the county commission despite no meeting today. An administrator set to leave by the end of the month rather than by the end of November and the media landscape that seems to bury its head in the sand about it all. Happy March to you. I travel for the first time since COVID on a plane that's going to be weird. A lot to look forward to in the short term and in the long term and right here, right now. So let's get into it. People are obsessed with critical thinking, educators and activists especially. Don't teach kids what to think, teach them how to think. This tagline has been used so many times that it should be a drinking game, and the next staff meeting I have, I might just have to throw down. But for all its popularity as both a left-wing and a right-wing talking point, and for all its influence and emphasis in academic settings, people's ability to understand what critical thinking is is remarkably superficial. Let me give you my definition, and this is how I teach my college kids as well. There are two parts to critical thinking, the logical and the intuitive. These are the rational and the emotional. Logical means formulaic. We use a term deductive reasoning for this level of calculated analysis. You hear it a lot with contingency statements, such as, If A, then B. A, then B. If that sounds like math to you, it is. Logical deductive reasoning is understood through proofs. These proofs can have violations in logic, which trained analysts, often referred to as lawyers, either avoid or manipulate depending on their level of ethics. Wow, that was a lot of information. Let me restate the proof, but instead of using variables of A and B, let me instead assign labels. If it rains, then the ground will be wet. It rained, the ground is wet. That is an A then B, A then B statement, and it makes sense when the labels are applied. A for it rains, B for the ground is wet. It's not backward compatible, though. Try reversing it, and you'll see where you get into trouble. If it rains, the ground will be wet. The ground is wet, therefore it rained. This is if A, then B, B, then A. And it doesn't make sense. There could be lots of reasons the ground is wet, not necessarily from rain. True story. The first time I ever took my wife to Ybor City, it was about 11 a.m., and a young lady doubled over in front of us on the sidewalk and just threw up everywhere. Everywhere. That could be the reason the ground is wet. Not the alternative conclusion I would jump to unless you're in Ybor City, but it could be a host of things besides rain. 
Logicians and lawyers alike recognize these flaws in reasoning, and they call them logical fallacies. There are dozens of logical fallacies, but understanding a few of the most common will either improve your view of the world or frustrate you greatly for the frequency with which they're used. One of these logical fallacies is called the straw man. The straw man is presenting a new variable into the proof that is irrelevant to solving the equation. It's a decoy, and it's exactly the logical fallacy the chairman Ron Kitchen is using. The issue facing the commission is complicated, but let's do our best to simplify it into a few distinct problems. The most pressing one to me is the apparent purposeful suppression of information from the county commission by its chief employee, the county administrator. That's it. Chairman Kitchen's strongman is the county division, particularly on the commission, and where he and I are going to disagree over the source of the division, both those points are irrelevant because it's not even the issue on the table. The division has absolutely no correlation with the administrator acting improperly by burying relevant information about staff morale when asked repeatedly for it until his job evaluation was completed and letter of resignation submitted. Let me say that one more time. Tension among commission has nothing to do with 50% of the commission's workforce acting in a way that hurt the overall county for that employee's personal gain. Do you see what we're talking about here now? I know you do because you're smart, but there are still some people out there who can't make the distinction and who are knowingly using logical fallacies as a disservice to the public. Assuming that it's the latter that is true, because I think everyone on the commission is generally pretty smart too, so they must just be knowingly using logical fallacies, then the natural follow-up question is, why? Why are some on the commission stretching the truth of the situation so much to fit their own narrative? To answer that, you need to know the second half of critical thinking. It's about emotion. It's about our intuitive responses to situations. If I say former President Donald Trump, climate change, vaccinations, it doesn't really matter how logically sound the argument that follows is because you're no longer using the logical part of your brain. These words elicit a gut reaction and that emotion steers our ability to comprehend the information that follows. So too to this list, you could add Randy Oliver when talking to Ron Kitchen. There are equivalent of logical fallacies on the intuitive side. We call them cognitive distortions, but I'm not going to get into that here. Instead, the best way to argue with someone experiencing one of these emotional gut reactions to a situation is to first meet them on the same moral foundation that they're experiencing it and then try to move them to a more neutral, different one. If by moral foundation you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and review the last two columns or the second column ever written by the concurrent because it will go over moral foundation theory which presents a framework of how people see the world in six different categories. These are care, fairness, liberty, authority, sanctity, and loyalty. It's not hard to see which are heightened in Chairman Kitchen. Loyalty is sparked above all, and that's fine. Some people might even appreciate that in him. 
An effective argument meets him on this loyalty foundation, but then brings him to others that may remind him of his responsibilities to protect people, both government employees and the people of this county. And these other moral foundations could be authority or sanctity or some mixture of care and fairness principles, though I think in his mind, um, Chairman Kitchen thinks Mr. Oliver is getting a bad deal instead of bringing it on himself, so care and fairness might not be as effective. If this seems like an insurmountable task, then don't bother even trying. I'm serious. You don't need to convince the chairman anyway. All you have to do is convince Commissioner Jeff Kennard, and that might be an easier task, but we'll get to that in the days to come. Getting to topic two, but first, a brief interlude with music because topic two is going to be short and topic one ran a little long. Enjoy. Media all works together. I'm going to sound ridiculous the more that I say it, but I mean it, especially here locally. It's Tuesday, and the Chronicle editorial board still hasn't addressed the employee survey. That's not good. Michael Bates did a great job with the story that uh, was published Saturday online, Sunday in the paper, But that was a news story, not the editorial board's commentary. It only reported the facts. It doesn't give the story context. Just Right Citrus initially took a crack at the story, giving it context on Saturday morning, but he raised more questions than it answered. And that should be something that explanatory commentary writers try to avoid. They want to answer questions, not raise them. It didn't take firm opinions on the outcome of the situation, but rather it pseudo-reported the facts of how the event was unfolding and then editorialized just a little bit after each of those facts were presented. When a situation is as complicated as this, people need help to navigate it, and hopefully today's explanation of the straw man and why the offense of burying the study is the only issue that matters did just that. We have a lot of problems facing the county right now. The media needs to help with that, not shy away from its biggest challenges. And to echo the idea that we're not all in competition with one another, I'll end with this. We're all in this together. That's all from the Bobby Winslow Show. Follow The Concurrent on social media for the latest updates, and we'll be back next Tuesday at noon. If you want to join this conversation, find us on social, The Concurrent Facebook, Twitter, go to the concurrent website, post on our discussion boards. We will see you next Tuesday.